Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Group Text. My guest today, Jennifer Lewis, has been commanding the spotlight on stages and TV and movie screens for decades. She originated the iconic role of Effie White in Dreamgirls and has literally played everyone's mother. From Tupac Shakur to Tina Turner to Anthony Anderson, most recently in the hit series Blackish that just completed, which is unbelievable, eight seasons. Now she is starring for Showtime on the new show, I Love That For You. Jennifer is an activist, best-selling author, and we're going to dive into her new book, Walking In My Joy, right now. It's out now. You can get it. Go log on to Amazon or your local bookseller. And she just received her star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Is that a long enough intro, Jennifer? All I can tell you is I'm sitting on top of the world right now. And I just feel amazing. But I want to say this before I say anything else. The reason I'm so happy is because I know I earned it. You know, to be present for all of this, to be present for my star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, a new book, a new series. Um, I just uh, finished Spellbound with uh, Nicole Kidman and Javier Bardain. It is a, a feature animation. Uh, where I play John Lithgow's wife and we're just having a great time. I'm getting to sing an Alan Menken song. Wow. Yeah, in this uh, animation feature. And so many wonderful things are going on. Listen, I took the stairs to success, not the elevator. And that's why it feels so good to be present, to feel all this. You know, usually like waiting for the bad thing to happen or, oh, this can't be real or, oh, this is too much to believe. No, it's not. You know, I'm 65 years old and I took the stairs and wow, does it feel good. And it was not a short flight of stairs. <laughs> no, it was not. <laughs> no, it wasn't. And okay, that's what I wanted to start with, because you had kind of an, an interesting childhood in that it was at very both ends of the spectrum. There wasn't yeah. a lot of middle. You were Jennifer Jeanette Lewis in, let me say if I say this right. Kinlock. Kinlock. I was going to say it right, Missouri. You were the youngest of seven kids. You You've talked openly about that you do not have feel like you fit in and in your family. But then, yeah. you, but then you go to school and you're the student body president. You're a cheerleader and voted most likely to succeed. <laughs> I, 
what made you so driven at such an early age? Well, you know, I am bipolar and I didn't know until I was like 30, I think I was like 32, three when I found out. So it was the mania that really drove me. But I was so excited because it was a dream, you see. It was the dream that sustained me. I didn't know anything about mania back in those days. I just was driven with a dream. And the dream was to be a star so my mother would love me. I wanted to be the biggest thing. You know, mania brings all of the uh, delusions of grandeur and it brings the... The obsessive work ethic. Right, the obsessive work ethics. And and it it, it, it involves so many things. You know, it's a dangerous, a mania is dangerous. You're speeding, you're doing crazy things. I, wow, I got a lot of stories from back then before treatment. But the important thing about having a mental illness, the important thing for me, I just have to keep saying that it was the dream that sustained me. No matter how depressed I was at night, I knew I had to get up and go to voice class, dance class, um, acting classes, Feldenkrais, Stanislavski, Uta Hagen. It, I was driven to perfect my artistry so that I could soar because I felt like I could soar. Mania makes you think you're flying anyway. So I have to say that it worked for me and against me, but mostly for me because the dream was so powerful. It, 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 you jumped ahead, which is fine because it is something I wanted to talk to you about because I do, I'm on the board of Dee Dee Hirsch Mental Health Services and Suicide Prevention. And mm-hmm. I am the survivor, you know, as we say, a survivor of suicide, meaning I lost a family member to suicide. And it wreaks havoc, but we do a tremendous amount of work in mental health. And you talk about this, which I find so, uh, it's not talked about enough, that marginalized communities still have such a huge stigma. It is getting better. It is getting, and we're working. It's getting better. When I did the um, book tour of my first book, the mother of black Hollywood, I was able to see and feel the temperature and the temperament of the country at that time. And yes, I would speak to many people in many cities all about what's being done for mental illness. But I found out that they're doing more counseling in the churches. They are building more youth centers. They have more hotlines for youth that um, are, are in trouble. There's so much available now because people are coming more and more aware. Um, yes, uh, in my community, of course, um, we still have a long, long way to go. But there is progress and it's exciting. A lot of celebrities are coming out. Um, People are coming forward. COVID did a number on a lot of people. They didn't know they were mentally ill. 
you see, until they had to be quarantined, isolated, unfortunately. And then our true selves came out. I mean, what are you without going to work every day? What are you without being able to go to the movies to escape? Who are you? And that's what a lot of people did and unfortunately did not do during COVID. But I am confident that we are getting better with informing people to get help. And, 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 and I mean, you're basically saying the Didi Hirsch uh, uh, mission statement. And one of the things that's so fascinating about you is you own your mental illness and do not find anything shameful about discussing. How did you get there? Because that's not easy. And it's fascinating to me how many celebrities or or, or well-known personalities, not just celebrities, are still so reluctant, especially in certain communities, to discuss it. How did you find the strength to not only figure it out, but then to, as, as my mother and I used to do about saying, we're not alone when you lose someone to suicide and that it's complicated, to basically scream it from the mountaintops till someone started listening? Melissa, I care. That's why. That's where I found the strength and the courage to do the best that I could with my life. You see, because I've had such an amazing life, what else is there to do but give back? I got everything I wanted. Did you you ever dream when you were little? I mean, I know you you fought everything for the dream, but you would be sitting here where you are with proper treatment accomplishment, joy, because we all walk through very difficult times. Well, honey, all I can tell you is I've been to the valley, but I had the courage to climb. I don't know what it was, Melissa. I've had a determination inside of me since I was a child. You all I sat in front of a black and white TV with my thumb in my mouth, and I saw a PSA of starving children in Africa. I saw people that were my skin tone sitting there in a poverty-stricken township on the outskirts of St. Louis, sitting there watching these children with large stomachs and, and flies around their eyes and nose is running. I was like, oh my God, what's wrong with them? Well, I found out they were starving and I sat there and here's your story, baby. I said, if I can be rich and if I can be famous, I'll feed them. I'll give them some food. And baby, I never looked back. I sang my first solo in church. And when the congregation went crazy, my mother was crying. People were up shouting. And, you know, black black churches are shouting, shouting, shouting. That, that, That wasn't my kind of church. But I saw that standing there in front of the congregation. And I said to myself, oh, this is life. And I never looked back. How old were you? 
I was five. Holy shit. Yeah. I'm five years old. I went to Miss Vera. I said, Miss Vera, can I sing a solo? <laughs> she said, oh, little Jenny, I don't know if you're ready to do that. I said, yeah, I am. I'm ready. I'm ready. So I ended up singing. And I'll get this. I'm five years old. And the song I'm singing is, oh, Lord, you brought me a mighty long way. <laughs> So appropriate for a five-year-old. So appropriate. And I never looked back. I went on to, to school and found out I was an alpha, became president of my class for seven years. I won by one vote in my senior year, and I cussed the whole class out. I said, you son of a bitches, make me sweat. I'm president. <laughs> oh, my God. They hated and loved me, but mostly loved me because I always had a smile on my face. I lived like your mother Yep. to make people laugh. That's my job. That's what I do in life. And I walk in my joy. And that's why I had the balls to name my second. There you go, baby. Walking in my joy. It's what I do. Now, does my shit stink? Am I perfect? No. Yes, my shit stink. Yeah, I got my problems. But baby, when you realize you have more years behind you than you do in front of you, you don't waste life. I am present. I don't want to waste a second. Having been depressed all those years. And then the audacity to come and say I'm walking in my joy after 25 years of treatment, 40, 68 movies, 450 episodic television shows, four Broadway shows, concerts all over the world. And now two books, a, a, a series, I walked right out of an eight year series into my new one. You know, I got I got the stuff here for you today. <laughs> I don't have that. Hold on. Hold on. I can match you. I can match you. Give me a sec. Give me a sec. Give me a sec. I can match you. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I'm going through the pictures of the book, which are. I bet yours is not bigger than mine. There you go. So Molly Shannon and Vanessa Bayer. Two comedic giants. Yep. That's what I was going to say. Baby, when I heard, when Blackish was over, Melissa, I was going to retire. Why? You can't well, retire. You want to know why? Because of COVID. I wanted to go home and, and be with my family. Love. One thing I found out during COVID, I knew it, but now I really know it. Love is the glue that holds us together. You just brought comedy up. So here you yeah. are, beautiful, this unbelievable voice and funny which did people and i mean like as adults and when you were starting out as a performer notice first funny charisma presence just walk in a room even at like at 10 and people would literally stop and say oh here comes jenny <laughs> and they knew they would be entertained 
My mother would bring me into the living room to do the latest dance for her girlfriends. I would, she was she belonged to a club called the Wild Rose Social Club. And they'd sit around and laugh and drink. They'd have a party at each one of their houses every month. And my mama would wake me up in my pajamas and say, Jenny, come on in here and show us the latest dance. And of course, the latest dance was the chicken. <laughs> and then after the chicken came the funky chicken. <laughs> and this is a great line. You may not get it. You maybe had to be there. But one of my mother's friends, Miss Robinson, I'll never forget her name. When I went back to bed, I heard her screaming, oh, the chicken, the funky chicken. And then she said, what about the funky chicken stew? <laughs> she made it into a dish. It was just, I will never forget that I started laughing. I said, she probably thinks it's some kind of meal. This chicken I'm talking about because they were drunk, you know, what yeah. are you going to do? But anyway, I've been an entertainer all my life, Melissa. I, I don't even know anything else. I breathe it. I sing it, talk it, dance it, love it. It's crazy kind of, but I love it. And I'm so grateful that I'm not all sad and complaining and and, 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 and what is that, that cynicism that people get about life? See, I'm a nature lover. Really? Love, oh my God. Girl, I was in the garden last night. That's why I was late. Cause I was out there planting aeoniums with a light on my head, getting them in the ground. Cause the New York times is coming today and they want to, um, photograph. Yeah. They want, yeah, they want that too, <laughs> but they want uh, pictures in my garden. So I did a little planting last night. It's something I just love to do. And that's so grounding for people. Yes, it is. But the yes. visual of you with a with a uh, a light on your head, by the way, which I'm sure you looked amazing and just you like You gotta love it. But just you gotta like, love me. But just like my mother, you were still it perfectly attired for the moment. That's absolutely. It's oh, like absolutely. you popped out of the womb a diva in the best possible way. You know, I just I wrote a, a, a show called The Diva is Dismissed. It was right when I was starting therapy and I wanted to get all that grandiose and all of that. I wanted to tame that because it was a mask. Being a diva was a mask. I wanted to dismiss that aspect of my being, but it was impossible. So how yeah. are you? Exactly. I I, it, just, it just didn't work. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> God, you remind me of my mother. Um, uh, yeah. Oh, honey, I loved your mother. Let me tell you, I saw her at the cannon. Oh, really? Oh, she was brilliant. She was brilliant. I was so excited, you know, because I used to watch her on Johnny Carson and she was always just so, oh my God, she did the lines, the comic timing. Yes, yes, yes. It was your mother, Joan. It was Mom's Mabley. Uh-huh. Hattie McDaniel, Pearl Bailey. That's where I got my timing from. Uh, Jack Benny, even. Uh, what's his name? Uh, the one. Benny Hill. Oh, God, I loved Benny Hill. Oh, he was so funny. Danny Kay. Danny Kay, a deft comedian. Maybe I studied them all. The Three Stooges. I studied them all. Loved them. 
especially Danny Kaye with his. I wanted to do that, and I learned that in college. Uh, Peter Piper the pick a pick a pick a pick a peppers a pick a pick a peppers. Peter Piper the pick a pick a pick. It's Peter Piper the pick a pick a pick a pick a pick a peppers. Where's the pick a pick a peppers? Peter Piper the pick a pick a pick. I love that stuff. Danny Kaye used to do those tongue twisters, and I just loved them. Yep. Yep. You know, again, I I just flashed on singing in the rain. There you go. See, those were my idols. Judy Garland, you know, uh, uh, Sarah Vaughn, uh, girl, Sammy, Sammy Davis Jr. Just the charisma. Sinatra. All of them, they were they were triple threats. And see, I had to be a triple threat. See, back in the day, Melissa, and I know you know this, they wanted to market you just as a comedian, just as a singer, just as, and I wouldn't do it. I wasn't gonna give up one of them because I had them all. I didn't know how to just sing a song. I didn't know how to just, hold on. I didn't know how to just like go. I love you, baby. Can't you see? I love you, baby. Can't you see? And then I would have to do something like, but get out of my house and don't ever come back with your shit, no. You know, I would put poor people in and then shock them. And then not only shock them, then pour that wisdom into them. You get the the molecular structure dancing, you see. You give them something to hold on to, something that makes them happy. And then you go, are you doing something for somebody else? What are you doing with your life? Come here, little girl. Tell me how you're fucking up. And I bring them up on stage. Go ahead, tell everybody. Tell everybody. Yeah. And you get them to answer. I get them because People, okay, I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't have to worry about being arrogant anymore because I'm just honest. Right. I have always had the ability to hold an audience in my hand. And now that I've grown up, I realize how important that is. That when we get on that stage, we are standing in a pulpit. These people have worked nine to five. They want to relax. They want to be entertained. And I don't take that for granted. When you leave a Jennifer Lewis show, you have been entertained. She has given you at least one thing to think about. She has made you cry at least once. And she's made you laugh your ass off. Because what I do is I, I always keep the lights up on my audience. I want to see them and feel them. And it's that one person who didn't laugh, I'm going for that person all night. Cause that's, you know, you go that one person when you get them going, like there was a, there was an older couple, elder couple sitting center at Carnegie hall the night I sang. Oh my God. Just the memory makes me, I lived at 55th and Broadway. Carnegie hall is at 57th and 7th. Every time I passed that beautiful building, I would point my finger and say one day, for 10 years in New York, 
one day. Sure enough, Mark Shaman, who wrote Hairspray, asked me to come and sing I Know Where I've Been. I trained three months for that one song. I got an electrifying standing ovation, not just an ovation, electrifying. That elder couple had seen every show at Carnegie Hall. You could tell they were subscribers. They'd been there. Those were their seats. And I thought to myself, if I can get them up, then you would have done something. You can see it on YouTube. They're right down front and they get up very slowly. That was the night. You do that. Yeah. I did a conscious one last story. Did a concert at a, a nursing home in Florida. And this old woman, they were all, you know, old people on walkers and everything. They were beautiful. And she came over to me at the end on her walker. And she said, young lady, I've seen them all. I saw Ella. I saw Billy. I saw Sarah. I saw them all. I've never seen the likes of you. That was a moment. A 100-year-old, 102-year-old woman telling me she'd seen them all. And then she said, but I've never seen the likes of you. She says, you have it all. And I've had it since I was a little girl, Melissa. I'm just glad that I had the courage and the strength to honor the gift and not kill myself. Huge. Because bipolar disorder will take you to a place where you become dangerous. I've had a lot of friends take their lives, my friend. You know, don't start me today. And you must weather the storm. Once again, my girl, it was the dream. I had a song to sing. I couldn't kill myself because I had a song to sing. I didn't kill myself because I had a baby to pick up. There is beauty in this world. This is a, this planet alone. I've traveled all over it. That's another gift that I, uh, a blessing that I've, I've had. I've seen it all. Petra. I just got back from taking a helicopter through the Himalayan mountain range. Oh my God. Yes, baby girl. It was a, a trip called to the cultural treasures of the world. Angkor Wat in Cambodia. Petra in Jordan. Everest in Kathmandu, Nepal. The, 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 the Grand Mosque in Abu Dhabi. A helicopter over Dubai to see all the beautiful um, uh, uh, islands that they've built there. And then the Taj Mahal, I just got back. That was right before I got the star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. I'm still in the helicopter. <laughs> and now I'm on Hollywood and Vine. And look at that. I know, it's amazing. It's like, it's like, what? It's like, what? It's like, wow. But. I earned it. Yes, you have. But I didn't say that on the podium. 
That was one thing I took out of my speech, that I earned this. I didn't have to say it. Everybody knew that. One hundred percent. I mean, that's something I need to get a little bit shallow. Go ahead, you don't mind. (laughs) Go ahead. I'm up for anything. I I adore you and I adored your mother. You go, girl. Okay. if I don't get a little bit shallow, I would be negating again. I, I would be fighting against my own DNA. Baby, go for it. Okay, so you met the Obamas. And oh you and you passed out. Okay. I just wait. Was it low blood sugar? The heat? You just tell me about that. It was all of it. It was the last Christmas party at the White House. The name of the part of the uh, chapter is the Black House. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a great evening. Um, I'm not going to give the book away, but Michelle Obama's um, assistant tapped me on my shoulder at the party and whispered to me, would you like to see them? I was eating a pastry. I spat it out, (laughs) kicked it under Mary Lincoln's rug, and I (laughs) ran out of there. I said, yeah, I want to see them. And Obama and Michelle were so gracious that evening. It was amazing. And then I just kind of wandered off. And before I knew it, I was on the floor. <laughs> I, I would, yes, it was the heat of the, one of the flaming fireplaces that were going that night. I was in pumps this high because I didn't want to not be cute in front of Miss Fashionista herself. And I hadn't eaten. Well, because it was under, and what I, you were eating was underneath Mary Lincoln's rug. Right. Woke up the, the, Medical Marines were over me. The White House doctor, they offered me three, they gave me three Christmas cookies and some water to revive me. (laughs) And I woke up and said, oh, wait a minute, honey. Someone take a picture. I know know damn well Michelle has got some fried chicken down there in that basement. Y'all go down there in that kitchen, give me some fried chicken. Honey, they put me in a wheelchair and rolled me out of that. That's enough of you. Goodbye, of course. <laughs> Nothing like, but I mean, if you're going to pass out somewhere, you pass out at the White House in full hair, makeup, and heels. A baby, 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 baby. What a night. I had a blast. What exciting it was. And Michelle had the White House so beautiful. So beautiful. It was stunning. But I love the fact that you like fangirled and went boom, like like you met the Beatles. It was unbelievable. The excitement was just too much for me. I was so happy. And then Obama, okay, here's what he said to me. (laughs) (laughs) So he took my hand, which, you know, there's a picture of me like this. I've never seen my body language like that. I mean, I had w- literally morphed into a schoolgirl when he took my hand. Uh-huh. And he said, now you, you play everybody's mama. He said, and sometimes the mean mama. And then he took in the whole room and said these words, but look at her. She's sweet. Nobody uses the word sweet as the first adjective to describe me. No, no, 
No. So every time I well, every time I piss off one of my friends, they'll look, they'll they'll quote Obama and say, look at her, she's sweet. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, what a night that was. And it it was amazing in from beginning to end. You brought up playing mothers. Were you naturally, are you naturally maternal? Absolutely. Absolutely. I am I am an earth mother. I care, I love children. I I I'm in bliss over babies. And basically, I love people because I'm always in front of them. And my job is to make them laugh. I'll be like, come here, baby. You know, it's uh, my performances, Melissa, are a lot like Toni Morrison's books. Mm -hmm. Toni Morrison will shock you. She will shake you. She will make you think she will, she will get all in your brain. And then 10 pages later, she'll hold your face gently and she'll rock you. And she'll say, that's what I meant, baby. She brings that writing around, you know, like comedy, you bring it around. Writing, good writing, you bring it around. But honey, Toni Morrison taught me a thing or two. How she moves people like a river, like ocean waves, and then bam. It's good storytelling. I got you. Yes, ma'am. It's, yes, ma it's and, and good writing. And you have been so fortunate in the, the people you have gotten to play mother to, and it's run the spectrum. In Poetic Justice, you got to work with Tupac, but your character was not a great person. And then you well, go, she was troubled. You know what? She was troubled. Yeah. yeah, these mothers that I play, I give them, especially in Poetic Justice, where, you know, Regina King, oh, that little filthy mouth of her character. Yeah, motherfucker. Da, 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 da. And then all of them cussing. So I knew that mother had to cuss. And most of our mothers do cuss. They had so many kids running around acting a fool 24 seven. But what I would give those mothers in honor of middle-aged black women who I know well, my mother had nine sisters. Oh, wow. So I had nine aunts to pull those characters, to pull, to create those mothers that I played. Um, Kind of lost my thought there. What were we talking about? We were talking about that you've, sort of done the spectrum. Yes, yes, yes. So when I did like Tupac's mother and uh, Tina Turner's mother, and all that, you have to give those women the heart of black women. Black women have hearts bigger than the Pacific Ocean and they'll give it to you. They don't care what color you are, what age you are. We, we are the village builders. We created the village, you see. So, yes, lots of problems running through there, but things are getting better. And it was my job to represent the African-American uh, matriarch with sass, compassion, intelligence, anxiety, all of it right there, the levels and colors of these amazing women. 
I mean, look who's almost running the world right now. Baby. Thank God. You got a black woman two inches from presidents. Thank God. Okay. Women you should be, in, by the way, women should be in charge anyway. Thank you. Men have had their time. I mean, I would say I love men, but baby, you had your chance. And it's now, it's where the, where we have the children. We bear the children. We bear you. Now let us take over this and show you how to love. The world needs love. And women hold that we are the life givers, you see. And it's our time now. It is the time of the woman. I tell everybody, these are not dark times. These are awakening times. The Stacey Abrams and the Maxine Waters and the, 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 the um, who's that baby I love so much? Uh, the Marielle Trump and uh, uh, girl, I could go on and on and on. Uh, Helen Reddy, didn't Helen just pass? A, a few, yeah, a little I am woman. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I am woman, hear me roar. I saw her at the uh, Women's March uh, when there were 750,000 people downtown uh, here in Los Angeles. And she sang a song that day. It was wonderful. My mom used to open for her in Vegas and does her stories for another time. The other oh. end of the spectrum that you played, you go and walk into a brilliant ensemble with Blackish and yet manage to steal every scene. Well. She says coyly, oh, I don't know, but perhaps. Sometimes I can't help myself. <laughs> no, you know, I got to tell you, let me just be honest. That amazing charisma that I have worked for me and against me. Mm -hmm. I've worked with a lot of people from Tom Hanks to Denzel to Whitney to uh, what's that baby's name? Mac Damon, Clint Eastwood, who we don't speak of because of the empty chair. Um, <laughs> but, you know, Sharon Stone, I've just had the, the ride of a lifetime and just wow is all I can say. Which of all those amazing people you've worked with has made you swoon? Who did you ever walk up to and go? Well, oh. John Connery, though he was, uh, he said some not so nice things about women, but when I met 007, baby, Sean Connery, <laughs> he was such a big flirt and he was so pretty he was just <laughs> I met Elizabeth Taylor she was stunning at the governor's ball one year that was when she lost that weight and wore that purple yep she was stunning uh I met Lena Horne Nina Simone Sammy uh I met Catherine Hepburn okay let me be more direct which of your male co-stars would you have gone home with if you had the opportunity? Interesting. Why don't we talk about the ones I did go home with? Okay, let's talk about those. <laughs> Who'd you go home with? You open that Pandora's box. <laughs> You've worked with them no, all. Everybody knows I had a torrid affair with uh, John Voight. When I was young, we were at Studio 54. And I, now I, I, those I, are the stories I want to hear. Oh, and then I had to turn down uh, Christopher Walken. I was not having it. I had to turn down Warren Beatty. 
I turned down Robert De Niro. I said, I said, I said yes to all the wrong people or no to all the wrong people. (laughs) Who's, who's the one that when you're taking your last breath, you're going to say, oh, I got to sleep with Gregory Hines. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) See, ain't no shame in my game, baby. I'll tell you anything you want to know. Everything in my life is these two books. I wrote it all. And wait a minute, I'm going to show you something. Wait, and I want to know who the best kisser was. Mmm, tasty. Let me think. It was Gregory. Gregory Gregory Hines was one of the sexiest things. Oh, my God. Hold on a minute. I'm scared what's about to come back. I purchased this from Taraji Henson at one of her fundraisers for mental illness. Yep. No more secrets. I love that. Let me tell you something. We are as sick as our secrets. I don't have any. I I love that. Yeah, I did it. I slept with 63 men. Let's see. What else? How did you turn down Warren Beatty? Uh, I was pretty drunk. I was drunk that night. Warren, Christopher, they were all coming at me. I was like, oh, guess where we were? We were at a party. At Lee Grant's house, a New Year's Eve party. Wow. At Lee Grant's fabulous apartment in New York City. Uh, Her daughter, Dinah Manoff, and I have the same birthday. So we always celebrated our birthdays together. So that's how I was invited, because I was just a little kid in New York. But, uh, you know, what can I tell you? Young, sexy, brick house. I was a mess. That was the, the era of the sex addiction. Well, at least yeah. you had at least you had high level. You weren't just going home with anybody. You're like, oh no, there were a couple of dives. I don't want to get into that. But no, yeah, I was, I was notorious. You want to talk about uh, Mr. Goodbar? <laughs> I mean, just think of how dangerous that was. Taking strangers to your house. What, the, what was I thinking? But that's the bipolar. You're not thinking. Right. But you also did. Mm -hmm. You you took home a lot of people that women. You took home so many men that women fantasize just getting one of. (laughs) Well, what can I tell you? I. um, You had fun. I look, I was a force to be reckoned with. I, I, I will tell you, most of the reviews that I got back in those days Oh, you never forget him. Hurricane Lewis hits New York. Jennifer Lewis, whose voice is half laser beam, half lava flow. Uh, what was the other one? I don't know. They just, oh, oh, yeah, lava flow, hurricane. They always compare me to the elements. I really was. I was meteoric. My voice was meteoric. I could, I, Ethel Merman was my uh, idol, and I wanted her notes. I wanted Aretha. Shirley Bassey and Ethel Merman notes. That was all I wanted. You know? a, do you know the great one of the great Ethel Merman stories? One of these. Right. This this young ingenue came up to her and said, oh, I have to ask, how do you warm up your voice? And without missing a beat, she said, I clear my throat. <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't know if mine is better than yours, but well, here's another. And then apparently she also used to be chewing gum, take it out, stick it on the wall, and walk out on stage. Here's the here's another one. Miss uh, <clears throat> Merman, will you be warming up? Do you need time to warm up? She goes, she's in the mirror. She goes, dirtle, dirtle, do, that'll do. <laughs> So before I let you go, I want to talk about the new show where you play a CEO. First of all, the cast is incredible. So you play the CEO of a home shopping network. Ice queen. So have you ever bought anything off a home shopping channel? Not not one thing. Oh, well, I got to end it now that you didn't buy the Joan Rivers collection. (laughs) I've never seen it. I've never watched, you know, I never watch TV. Still? I have a few, I have a few little shows I may watch every once in a while. Okay, mostly. what do you watch? Um, I watch It's Creek. The best. Uh, Veep. Great. Um, that's about it, really. I'll well, you picked some good ones. And yeah. obviously, we are all going to watch your new show. I love that for you. We're all going to pick up the new book. I have to say, it's wonderful. Walking in my joy. Go back and get the other book. And the Mother of Black the Mother Hollywood. Mother of Black Hollywood. This has been such a pleasure for me. I can't <laughs> begin to tell you. No, oh, and me too, Pumpkin. I've been watching you all these years. I have. You just, you're adorable. Oh. And you've got that, you've got such a great sense of humor. And you know what I love more about you? Your wit is that intellectual wit. I love that shit. Yeah. See, I didn't, I never thought I was really smart because I was the class clown and I never really paid attention in school. I could care less what two plus two was. And I still don't know what two plus two is. But I will tell you, watching you um, and, and, and your connection and energy with your mom when you, y'all guy, you guys used to do the red carpet. Yeah. I used to just sit there and say, now look at the love here. It's a lot of love. So thank you for you, my friend. And you are seen and you are appreciated. And I I had my eye on you. Well, and I still do. I am honored. I am honored that you joined us uh, for this podcast. A Huda Media Production.